And this morning we're carrying on our journey through the book of Ruth. Uh, and Paul's going to be preaching in just a moment or two. But I'm going to read to us this morning's reading from Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 through to 23. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem, and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they called back. Boaz asked the foreman of his harvesters, whose young woman is that? The foreman replied, she was the Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting, and follow along after the girls. I have told the men not to touch you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She exclaimed, Why have I found such favour in your eyes, that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favour in your eyes, my Lord, she said, you have given me comfort and have spoken kindly to your servant, though I do, no, though I do no, not have the standing of one of your servant girls. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Even if she gathers among the sheaves, don't embarrass her. Rather, pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up, and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to an ephath. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. 
Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the, the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not sh stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added that the man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabitess said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with his girls because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished and she lived with her mother-in-law. This is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> so Paul, let me pray for you. Thank you. Uh, gracious Lord, thank you for Paul for his uh, preparation and reflection on this passage. Thank you for the word that you've given him for us today. We pray that your spirit will rest upon him that he would proclaim your truth, your word, with boldness and courage. Lord God, would you give us ears to hear? Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dan. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. And uh, we're continuing this morning this, this journey, this short journey over four weeks uh, through the book of Ruth. Some of you were here last week, so you heard uh, me speak on chapter one. Um, I hope that many of you have gone away. I'm not going to ask for hands up but I hope that many of you in this last week have gone away and read the book of Ruth. It will only take 10 to 15 minutes to do so. It's a wonderfully engaging story. And just to remind us of where we got to last week, in chapter one, uh, Naomi has been displaced from her homeland due to famine. She's experienced multiple uh, devastating bereavements. And after 10 years away from home, has decided to return home to Jerusalem, to Bethlehem. Ruth, her daughter-in-law, has felt a great responsibility towards Naomi, great love for her, and she's accompanied her back home, and we find Naomi telling her story and acknowledging her pain and bitterness. If you remember, she was saying to her friends, you can call me Mara, which means bitter. And the tone in chapter one was one of sorrow and scarcity. And last week we reflected together on those themes and we made the connections to our own lives and experiences, asking how God might call us to respond to trials of life, those times of sorrow, those times of scarcity. And then in the very last verse of chapter one, there was just a hint that life was about to get better for Naomi and Ruth, with the mention that the, that the start of the barley harvest was on its way. And that's where we pick up the story. But I want to reiterate again that this is so much more than just a nice story. Every book of the Bible is there for a reason, isn't it? 
And each one helps us build a picture of what God is like and what we are like. Each story has something to say to us in the 21st century, and we just have to make the connections. So I just want to highlight two angles this morning. Uh, The first one is that God's love is often experienced through others. God's love is often experienced through others. Naomi is sustained through the loving actions of both Ruth and Boaz, who we're introduced to in chapter 2. She could have felt isolated and impoverished and forgotten and unloved. But in their different ways, Ruth and Boaz really value her and show her very practical love and concern. Ruth accompanied her back home when she had every right to stay in Moab and look for a new husband. Boaz treats Ruth, and by extension Naomi, with incredible compassion and generosity, protecting her, providing for her, and looking out for her. There are times, aren't there, when we we just feel the love of God wash over us like a wave. And those are incredibly special times as he pours out his spirit upon us. But more often than not, we experience his love through his people, people who go the extra mile, people who give generously of their time and their resources and their talents, people who forego their own needs to exercise compassion. In their actions, God's love is experienced in really profound ways. So let's look at the example of Boaz. If you've got your phones or a Bible in front of you, do turn to Ruth chapter 2. He's introduced to us in the first verse as a relative of Naomi's, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech. That man of standing, it implies two things. It alludes to his material wealth, but also his moral worth. He's a man of integrity, a person who would do what is right. And in that society, more so than today, he had a responsibility as a relative to look out for his relations after all they'd been through. Now, whether by coincidence or more likely by God's providence, Ruth finds herself in one of his fields, gleaning the wheat and barley harvest, gleaning, picking up the leftovers, more of that in a minute. And Boaz spots her and wonders who she is. At this point, things could develop in a number of directions. He is an older, more powerful, wealthy man. She is a younger, poverty-stricken, grieving woman. He could use his power for good, or he could abuse his power and take advantage of her. But he chooses to honour her and the memory of her husband and show her favour. He encourages her in her gleaning. He's proactive in telling his harvesting team not to mistreat her and ensures she's got access to clean water. We see that verses 8 and 9. He's taken time to discover her backstory and ask for God's blessing upon her. So verse 11, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, 
under whose wings you have come to take refuge. If we keep going through the verses, in verse 14 he shares his food with her. In verse 15 he gives her permission to pick the best of a crop and not just the leftovers. What we see in this chapter is that Boaz models the character of God. In him we see compassion, we see generosity, we see grace, protection and care. Just as Ruth has shown God's care for her mother-in-law, Boaz models God's care to her. And in a world where misogyny and abuse and sex trafficking and racism and homophobia and persecution, the list could go on and on, self-seeking are all too prevalent, Boa's example, I believe, challenges us to look outward and model God's character. also speaks to communities, to institutions, and to governments. We're reminded that we're called to see people (coughs) in their very humanity. Not judging them, not looking down on them, not dismissing them, not taking advantage of them but loving as as God loves, with generosity and with grace. There's a Hebrew word that's used uh, in three places in the book of Ruth. It's the Hebrew word uh, hesed. The NIV translates it simply as kindness, but it's so much more than that. It's about a profound sense of love and loyalty or a completely undeserved kindness and generosity. So as we go through the book, in chapter 1, in verse 8, Naomi wishes Hesed on her daughters-in-law and commends them for their kindness. In chapter 2, in verse 20, Naomi recognises this characteristic in Boaz's treatment of Ruth, his loving kindness, his incredible generosity. And then in chapter 3, verse 10, Boaz commends Ruth for her loving kindness to him. It seems there's a continuous loop of this hesed being shown in the narrative. And that's both refreshing and challenging to us. One of the things that struck I just want to take a slight aside at the moment. One of the things that really struck me as uh, as I was reading this this week and preparing was what this might say to those of us here who are men. I'd encourage us as men to take time to read chapter 2, to look at the example of Boaz, and ask ourselves a few questions. What does it say to us about how we treat women? What does it say to us about how we manage others in the workplace or in positions of power and influence? How do we exercise power? How do we live lives of integrity and hesed? I encourage you to think about that, guys. We read in uh, verse 20, I think it is, that uh, Naomi says to her daughter-in-law, says to Ruth about uh, Boaz, he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. So he's showing that love, that hesed, to those in front of him, but he's also honouring the memory of those who've gone before. He's honouring the memory of Elimelech. 
So God's love is often experienced through others, and we see that powerfully in this little book. But secondly, God's character is demonstrated through his laws. Often we can see God's commandments as somewhat restrictive. Don't do this, don't do that, avoid that. And yet God's laws are always for our good and for the good of society. We see that in the whole concept of gleaning, picking up the leftovers from the edges of the fields. That's something that originates back in the book of Leviticus, chapter 19. It's part of a series of laws given to the Israelite nation for their time and for their circumstances. It goes like this. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. And we see the relevance and the power of that law in the book of Ruth, as she is able to glean behind the harvesters and is eventually invited in to not just glean, but to pick of the very best of the sheaves. God is for the weak, the vulnerable, the downtrodden, the outsider, they're not to be forgotten and ignored. And so much of the church's work of mission is fighting on behalf of the underdog, showing God's love in word and action. We heard from the India team just now. Jamie was sharing the other thing, reflecting on the work of all of our uh, missions, looking to a wider world, about Haven Home, and he was sharing about how they tithe their income to do work supporting widows in the community in that part of India. Ben and Katie Ray's ministry in Tanzania prioritises those who are disabled and overlooked by society. Jan and Richard address issues of poverty in Uganda. CAP empowers those in debt in this country. Iona's work with circuit riders takes the good news of Jesus to the spiritually poor. And each of these projects demonstrates something of God's character. And then we see the concept of kinsman redeemer in this passage as well, embodied by Boaz. Again, a biblical concept of responsibility for relatives, one which reflects God's compassion. And you don't have to go far to see then how Jesus' life and death then fulfill that very same purpose, that purpose of redemption but not just for the immediate family, but for all who will hear his voice. The one who would rescue his people in their need. So two angles to reflect on. God's love often experienced through others. and God's character demonstrated through his laws. But I'll leave us with two specific questions. If God's love is so often experienced through others, how might we demonstrate that Hesed love in our attitudes and actions, in our daily lives, in our relationships, in our places of work, in our social settings? And if God's character is demonstrated through his laws, How might we value them and uphold them and protect them 
in an ever-changing society. Let's just take a few moments just in quietness, just to reflect on either one or both of those questions, the one perhaps that connects with us most strongly. Lord, I want to thank you that this, uh, this little book is there in Scripture. Thank you that this um, fairly ordinary story in many ways about uh, fragile human beings has so much to teach us about who you are and who we are and how you call us to live our lives. Continue to speak to us, Lord. Convict us by your Spirit that we might be people who live lives which reflect your Hesed love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, join us again next week for chapter three and a spot of romance.